Thanks, Sarah. Well, it's great to be here. It's great to see uh, what we've gone through this morning already. And um, what we've seen is a couple of examples of people making choices, making decisions about how they want to live their lives, how they want to surrender aspects of those lives to the Lord. We've seen that in the baptism, and we've seen that in Daniel uh, deciding to uh, get ordained and to serve us here. We're starting a new series this week. We've just finished our series on distinctiveness, what makes us different as Christians in the world. And the uh, series that we're going to be through starting today and all the way through August is the various preachers are going to choose a passage which has spoken to them powerfully in their own lives. And I've decided to choose a passage from Joshua. I don't know whether you know there's actually 3,000 people named in the Bible. Uh, Most of them are named only once, and we hardly notice them, really, as we read through the pages and read the stories and so on. Uh, But some of them, of course, have chapters written about them, and occasionally whole books. And they're the giants of Scripture, really. They're the ones that frighten us, challenge us, and uh, sort of sit in awe, really, at their feet. And of all of those, I suppose, partly because of my background as a soldier, uh, Joshua is the guy that I um, really look to as a guide of my own life, a guy I respect, a guy who went through very difficult times. And it's a great story, and we obviously haven't got time to go through the whole of Joshua. But um, I just want to remind you before we have the reading about how he appears in the Scriptures. And he starts in, uh, in Exodus uh, chapter 17. Here's the passage, um, and you may remember the story, some of you. Uh, Moses chooses uh, Joshua choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amicalites, Joshua, says Moses. And in the story, Joshua goes out to fight the Amicalites. Moses has to hold his hands in the air while the battle is going on. And the battle rages all day long, and Moses uh, has to be helped in in keeping his hands in the air. Those of us who like to lift our hands in in, in praise, after about 30 seconds, put them down again because they're getting a bit tired. Moses has to keep in the air all day, and Aaron and Hur sit next to him and and hold his hands in the air. And at at the end of the day, uh, uh, Joshua leads the battle, and they win the battle. That's the first time we read about him uh, in Exodus. And then in chapter 24, Moses is going up to the hill... Uh, the mountain, uh, to receive the Ten Commandments. And he decides to take one person with him, and it's Joshua. And uh, Joshua, I I think at this stage, Joshua is really like Moses' ADC, his aide-de-camp. Now, those of you who don't know me, I commanded a division of the British Army, and I had an ADC. I have to tell you, he then married my daughter, which wasn't written in the job description. Um, But uh, being an ADC means being a gopher, basically. You carry the bags, and you watch what's going on. And Joshua watches as Moses receives the Ten Commandments. They're up there for a long time. The the Bible uses this expression, 40 days and 40 nights, which just means a long time, really. And the people of Israel get fed up with waiting, and Aaron is asked to uh, sort things out. They build the golden calf. For those of you who remember the story, they begin a rebellion, a moral rebellion, really, as uh, Moses and Joshua come back down the mountain. So he's experienced that peace. And in this, as you'll see here, uh, the Lord says to Moses, take him uh, with you and, uh, and also then get Eleazar the priest to commission him. And interestingly, I only noticed in this passage when I was preparing this, give him some of your authority. So Moses is a fantastic leader. We're going to come back to this in a minute. But Joshua is given some of Moses' authority as he goes up and then meets with him. And then probably more famously, for for those of you who know your Bible well, Joshua is one of the twelve that go out to do a reconnaissance, to do a recce into the promised land that God has promised his people. 
And uh, the 12 of them go out, they come back, they make a report. Ten of them say to Moses and the leadership, it's a fantastic place, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But it's full of giants, and there's no way we're going to capture it. And Joshua and Caleb say, it's a fantastic place, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and it's ripe for the taking. Let's get in there and sort these guys out. Of course they don't. And uh, the result is the Israelites wander in the desert for the next 40 years. And Moses never makes it into the, into the promised land. So Joshua's clearly an inspiring leader. And it's no surprise, really, when God anoints him, tells Moses to anoint him, and puts him in command of the Israeli army for the move into the promised land. And we read about that in Numbers uh, and uh, then later, of course, in the book of Joshua. So, Yvonne's going to come and read to us a passage from, many of you will know the first passage from the very beginning of the book of Joshua, and then we skip to a couple of chapters later, and Yvonne will take us through that as well. Uh, The reading is from Joshua 1, chapters 1 to 9, verses 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then we go on to Joshua 5, 13 to 15. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's just pray for a moment, shall we? Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for these great stories, Lord, of uh, real people, 
real people doing real things in a real world and struggling to survive, to move on, to live their lives. And we thank you for people like Joshua who, who hear you and respond to you and, uh, and, and, and take your word and your, your life out into the people and lead them through the tough times and into the good times. And Lord, as we, as we look at him and as we reflect on this ourselves, would you please help us to leave this place making a choice to serve you, to serve you well, and to go out into the world determined to serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we have this picture uh, of Joshua walking prior to the Battle of Jericho. Many of you looking around the room, one or two of you are almost as old as I am, and uh, you'll have been to Sunday school and you remember the Battle of Jericho. And Jericho is the first battle that Joshua is going to fight, having crossed the River Jordan into the Promised Land. Moses hasn't made it. Moses hasn't made it for quite difficult reasons to understand, really. He strikes a stone at Marabeth with his staff, rather than just speaking to it, as God tells him to do, in order to draw water from it. And God says, because you didn't trust me with what I told you to do, to speak into this, but you struck it with the, with the uh, staff, you're not going to enter the Promised Land, Moses. Which is pretty tough, really. We'll have a look at that again in a second. So Joshua takes command. He moves into the uh, moves across the River Jordan, and the battles are about to start. He's going to fight forty battles to secure the Promised Land. That's what's going to happen in the next uh, in the chapters that follow. And he's walking on his own prior to the battle. Now you are the commander of this army. You've just been appointed. You've just followed Moses. You've seen all the things, and you're about to go and fight your first battle. What goes through your mind? I have to tell you, I've been there. Been there in the Balkans, in Iraq, in various other places as, as we prepared to do various things. And I think all sorts of things would have been going on in Joshua's mind. And some of them include the fact that he knows these people he's going to lead. He's, had, he's seen and experienced all their failings. He knew the spiritual and mental anguish that Moses had gone through. He knows that Moses had once got so tired and fed up with these people that he wanted to leave them behind and move on. He felt the weight of responsibility. Joshua must have known how tough it is to lead these people. Leadership is dead easy as long as everybody thinks like me. Trouble is, they don't. You guys are difficult. We're all difficult to lead in the trials and battles of life. Secondly, this land they were taking was big and it was full. It had shed loads of enemy forces. We know the tribes that are described in the Old Testament. Joshua had done his recce when he was a young man. Fit, active, keen as mustard. It's now 40 years later. He must have thought, it looked fine when I was in my 20s. Life looks a bit more difficult now I'm in my 50s or 60s, however old he was. He must have thought, is this really doable? What's the plan? How are we going to take this land? What should it consist of? It must have been a pretty scary prospect. And third, of course, he'd just taken over from Moses. Moses was one of the greatest leaders that Israel had ever known. Indeed, did ever know. I have a debate about him and David, but nonetheless, a hugely powerful and influential leader. Moses had met with God face to face. Joshua knew that. He'd been with him on the mountain. He'd received the commandments. He'd led the people out of slavery. And Joshua had now taken over from him. And he must have dreaded the thought that behind him people would whisper, Oh, if only Moses was here, it would be fine. If Moses was here, we wouldn't do it this way. Stepping into a giant's shoes is never easy. And stepping into Moses' shoes was a pretty daunting prospect. 
And finally, I think, amongst lots of other things, I think Joshua must have been worried stiff about this God that he'd been called to serve. He'd watched as this Yahweh, this awesome God, in his anger, had opened the ground and people had been swallowed up into it in the earlier stories. He caused the people to wander in the desert for 40 years. And even Moses, as I said earlier, had not been allowed to enter the promised land. The chances of Joshua getting it wrong were pretty significant. And he must have been worried about it. What separates out those who are able to cope from those who can't in life, in leadership and so on, is I think an idea of having a sense of purpose in the face of danger difficulty or crisis. All of us are people with hopes, ambitions, people capable of love, joy, hate, despair. But when push comes to shove, in our restlessness, in our ambition, in our fear and our insecurity, most of us, at least some of the time, if not all of us, at least some of the time, choose ourselves over others. Career before justice, lies and compromise before truth. Characters like Joshua and others in the Bible like Daniel or David or, of course, Jesus himself stand apart because there's a real sense of purpose in their lives. I've said here before that I think there are three things that if we can grasp them, enable us to live full, contented lives. A clear sense of personal identity, a deep sense of faith, and a strong sense of purpose and mission. Where do you stand on those things? Are you comfortable with who you are? Do you have a deep sense of faith, a strong sense of purpose and mission for your life? Or are you simply drifting through life aimlessly? For Joshua, these questions had been answered, or his sense of purpose and mission and fulfillment, in that earlier passage that Ivan read to us from chapter 1. You remember the story, the, the verses that flowed through those first nine, first nine verses in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, I'm going to give you every place you set your foot. This land is ready for the taking, as you said all those years ago. Now you must step forward, and Joshua, step forward, step out, capture it, fulfill your purpose. Then he said to Joshua, no one's going to be able to stand up against you. No one is going to be able to stop you. All the days of your life, not giants, which the others had reported earlier, not not clever intellectuals, but you will need to stand firm, Joshua. Not lie in the dust, not turn away, press on in the face of difficulty. And thirdly and most crucially, Joshua heard these words in in those early verses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Joshua knew that God loved Moses, that he would always be with Moses, that he always was with Moses. But he now needed to hear these things for himself. That God loved him and would always be with him, not just with Moses And those words have rolled down the centuries. Abraham heard them. Moses obviously heard them. So did many others in the Old Testament. And most crucially, Jesus Christ heard them at his baptism. This is my son, whom I love. And with him, I am well pleased. And crucially, they're the words that Jesus gives to us in the Great Commission at the back end of Matthew's Gospel. Go out and make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Throughout the scriptures, we're told that God loves us, chose us, saved us, sanctified us. He calls us by name. He destines us for glory with Jesus Christ. A sure and certain hope. And the question is, do you believe it? Joshua hears those words, be strong and courageous, Joshua. You're going to have to fight these 40 battles. You are going to need physical courage to fight these battles. And then he hears the words, be strong and very courageous. Why very courageous? Because you're going to have to fight moral battles, Joshua. You're going to have to keep to the law. You're going to have to keep these people focused on my commandments. And moral courage is much more difficult than physical courage. Moral courage is what separates out, to coin a phrase, the men from the boys, the women from the girls. It's this courage that will enable Joshua to serve God. And when he's faced with this man dressed in armor. So again, we're back on the road. We're on our own. We're preparing to fight this battle. All these thoughts are in our minds. We've heard God's words to be strong, to be courageous. And he meets a man dressed in armor with a sword at his side. And Joshua asks him a very sensible question. Whose side are you on? Are you with us or are you with them? And there's a pause. And in our reading, what we heard was neither. Some translations it says no, which is not very helpful for Joshua, really. But we're then told that the angel of the Lord says to Joshua, effectively, this is not about whose side I am on, Joshua, or whose side God is on. The question is, whose side are you on, Joshua? Are you on God's side? Have you made the choice to serve him with your life, to follow his commands? And Joshua, we're told later in the passage, or we heard it read to us, falls at the feet of the angel of the Lord. He's told to take off his sandals, and he asks, what are my Lord's commands? When was the last time you asked that question? And Joshua receives the most ridiculous battle plan that anybody could ever have come up with. He's about to enter the promised land, fight the battle of Jericho. It's going to have to be a siege. He's going to have to win this battle. And he's told, Joshua, march around the city seven times over seven days, blow some trumpets, and it'll be fine. He must have thought, this is crazy. It ain't going to happen. He has a choice to make. Will he or will he not do what God has told him to do? And we know the story. Those of us who are old enough sung it at our Sunday schools. Joshua goes in, marches round the city, and what happens? The walls come tumbling down. It's a great story. It's a great story. The reality is God is not a mercenary to fight on our behalf. He doesn't fit our plans. We have to seek him and his desire for our lives, his plan for our life. When I was driving in this morning, um, the, there was, a, there was a, a passage uh, in the morning service on the radio, the wife of a captain who was the 199th British soldier to be killed in Afghanistan. And she told the story of being at home and, 
and how they'd married and had the children and how much she loved him and so on. And then she said, we had our plans for our life. And she simply said, but they clearly weren't God's plans. That's a hard story. And we could explore all sorts of aspects to that. But she accepted that God's plan for her life was not what she had thought it was going to be. And she was now pressing on into the promised land, taking with her the family, stepping out, being courageous, doing what needed to be done. And Joshua trusts God. Trust him to give success, to give victory, to give Joshua peace and contentment, even within the turmoil of this campaign to secure the promised land. Only the God who created the universe and gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to die for me, to die for you, only our God can save our souls for eternity. What kings or earthly bosses, what the state, science or our work cannot do, is give a guilty conscience peace, a broken or empty heart, like that wife of that young captain, comfort, a lost or lonely soul, a home. Only our God can do that. And Joshua knew that. He knew God for himself, the God he served and trusted, who'd seen him walking alongside Moses. Joshua had accepted him and followed him and trusted him. And served him. And then he went on to prove him. Leading his army across the river Jordan, Joshua conquers the land. It's far from easy. There was pain and loss and trouble and strife. But in the end, there was victory. In all of the failures and the chaos of those campaigns, at the end of the day, there was victory. Calvary, we sung about it earlier. The Calvary God is nailed to a cross, seemingly defeated. But from that same cross comes bursting forth new life, resurrection power, and forgiveness. So Joshua seeks and finds God, trusts him, proves him, understands his purpose, his mission, has a deep sense of faith. What does God want of you? What is your purpose in life? I said earlier, is it simply to drift on aimlessly to one day you end up in a care home? Is that what it's all about? I haven't got a clue what God is calling you to do. It's not a question for me to ask, answer. But I can pose the question. And are you prepared to ask him? Are you prepared to seek his face For your life, not the person next to you, not your husbands, not your wife, not your girlfriends, not the vicars, you. What does God want for you in your life? What is your purpose? What is your intent? Do you have the courage to ask him? We need to be careful. God operates in a very different realm to us. He occupies another dimension. He sees things from a distant perspective. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, he says in Isaiah. We think preserve the body, he thinks preserve the soul. We dream of a pay rise, he dreams of raising the dead. We avoid pain and seek peace. He uses pain in order to bring true peace 
We resolve to live before we die. He tells us to die in order that we might truly live. At the end of his life, having secured most of the promised land, having fought the battles, Joshua's an old man. He gathers the tribe of Israel around him in Joshua chapter 4 and he, he, he challenges them. He asks them the question. He says this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You might choose to be an atheist or a humanist or a secularist or a materialist or agnostic. Sit on the fence and try not to make a choice. It's not good enough. You have to make a choice. Choose, says Joshua, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, says Joshua, we will serve the Lord. Who will you serve? There's a choice to be made. Who's in command of your life? And my only prayer is that you will choose wisely. Amen. Thank you, Tim. I want to invite the band to come up. And as we do that, I just want to lead us in a brief time of silent response. So we've had a challenge there. We've had several challenges. What does God want for you? What is his purpose for your life? Do you have the courage to ask him? And as for you and your household, will you serve the Lord? So let's take a couple of minutes now, just in, a, in silence, or if, if the band want to play just quietly behind that, just to think about where you stand in relation to those questions. Are you willing to ask God what his purpose is for you? And are you willing to serve him? So let's think about that. Let's listen to God. Let's pray in response to that now.